I don't know if you've really thought much about this, but there seems to be some kind of irony, don't you think, that Ash Wednesday is on Valentine's Day? I mean, what are the chances of something like this even happening? Well, I did a little research, and in the last century, it happened three times. 1923, 1935, and 1945. And in this century, it will also happen three times. 2018, 2024, and 2029. It's unusual for these two events to coincide on the same day, but obviously not impossible. As far as Valentine's Day is concerned, my wife gave me the best Valentine gift a number of years ago, early in our marriage. I'm not exactly sure I remember what prompted this gift, other than to say it's probably because I forgot to give her something for Valentine's that year. But what my wife said to me that year was, you don't have to get me anything for Valentine's throughout our marriage. If you can't show me you love me every day of the year, don't think you can make up for it one day out of the year. And so ever since then, the pressure's been off on Valentine's Day. Pressure's on 364 other days out of the year. In fact, there's been a few years that uh, I thought maybe I should do something special, and, and maybe I should just surprise her and get her some flowers. And on those occasions when I showed up with flowers, her response was, you must have done something wrong that you're trying to cover it up. All that to say that Valentine's Day really doesn't mean a whole lot in our household, just like any other day of the year. But I suppose, in defense of Valentine's Day, I would say that, that maybe the reason for a day like this is, in fact, on our own, we probably are all lacking in expressing love and affection to a spouse or somebody else significant in our life. The truth is, it's easy for us to take that for granted, easy for us to take somebody else for granted. It's easy for us to, to neglect saying, I love you. It's kind of like the couple who on their 50th wedding anniversary, the wife said to her husband, how come in 50 years of marriage you've never once said you loved me? To which he responded, I told you that the day we got married, and I thought if I didn't change my mind, there was no reason to repeat it. It probably doesn't make for a very romantic Hallmark card on Valentine's Day. You know, actually, the truth is, in any kind of relationship, intentionality is important. There have to be times when we go out of our way. It's, it's not just good to just assume that somebody else knows what we're thinking or feeling. We need to be purposeful. And if that is true in our relationships with one another, then it's even more true in our relationship with God. And so, in, in fact, maybe Ash Wednesday, in fact, the, the whole season of Lent is a time for us to be more purposeful. 
The theme that we've identified for this season of Lent here is from the death of darkness to the liberation of light. Because the season of Lent is about, well, it's about the darkness of sin in each of us, but we walk through this season on our way to the celebration of the light of the resurrection. Darkness versus light. The season of Lent is an, is an occasion for us to recognize our natural human sinful condition and the liberating light of forgiveness and new life that's given to us in the resurrection of Christ. And specifically, as kind of a nod to Valentine's Day today, our specific theme is the heart of darkness. You know, in light of the fact that it is Valentine's Day, maybe it's a little deceiving what we say to each other at times or what the real meaning of certain words are. For instance, it is not uncommon to say to somebody who we dearly love, I love you with all my heart. Or I love you from the bottom of my heart. But you know, when it comes to how God describes our heart, are those really the words that we best can use? Because let's think back to what Pastor Neubacher read for us in the gospel lesson tonight. Jesus said to some people, you honor me with your lips, but your heart's far from me. What that says to us is sometimes words are cheap. What that says to us is do we really mean what we say? Maybe just as an example of that, it is our tradition in worship here that we generally express our worship by speaking words back and forth to one another. The pastor says something, the congregation responds. Or we all say something that we're directing to God. It's a conversation back and forth. For instance, we started our worship service this way from Psalm 51. These people on, uh, have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness. And as Psalm 51 started that way, then you said back, in your great compassion, blot out my offenses. Then I spoke the verse, wash away all my iniquity, and you responded, and cleanse me from my sin. We're speaking God's word. But it's easy for those to just be words on a page or on a screen that we're mouthing, but do they reflect what's in our heart? I wonder sometimes, I don't know if this exercise would go over very well or not, but I wonder sometimes if maybe we should say the words that we say back and forth a little slower, or maybe pause more between them. Have mercy on me, O oh God. I mean, when I look at my life, when I look at my guilt, when I look at have I failed other people or hurt other people or said things that I shouldn't have said, have mercy, O oh God. I need your loving kindness 
in your great compassion. I can't even begin to wrap my head around the kind of compassion that God really does have for me. As I look in the mirror, I don't know that I'd have compassion for me. Wash away all my iniquity, cleanse me. Doesn't that require some reflection a little bit? And maybe that makes us a little uncomfortable at times because then we think, well, the service is going to last longer. But I guess I would just encourage you that the purpose here is not just to speak words back and forth, but the purpose is for us to embody those words, to embrace those words, to give meaning to those words from our lives. We don't want to be guilty of what Jesus said in our reading. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart's far from me. So what's really in our hearts? I went to a doctor visit earlier this week, and as I walked into the waiting room, I noticed that there was a number of Valentine decorations in the waiting room. And one that particularly caught my attention was a wreath that was made up of some red and white paper. There was a red heart in the middle of it. There was an arrow through the heart. And on that heart, it said, follow your heart. Sounds kind of cute. But I had just come from writing this sermon. And I thought, I don't think that's good advice follow your heart. And the reason I say that is, let's go back to what Jesus also said in our reading from Matthew 15. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. Wait a minute. If that's what's in my heart, then I don't want to be following my heart. And if that's an accurate description of my heart, then that's an accurate description of the darkness of our hearts. No wonder there's black ashes on our foreheads. They symbolize the darkness of sin in our heart. I realize that we kind of like to romanticize the image of a heart. But here we have Jesus telling us, much to our dismay, that the natural human condition for every one of us is a heart of darkness. And that's why these words have to be all the more meaningful as we speak them. Think about your heart. Think about what's in your heart. Think about the human condition, and as you think about that, how could we not say, have mercy on me, O God? I beg you to have compassion upon me. Wash me and cleanse me. And if that is, in fact, the reality of our heart, offenses, iniquity, sin, transgression, well, what hope do we have? For some reason, as I was working on this message, there was an image that kept coming to my mind. You have, most of you I'm sure, maybe all of you have seen this image before. It is often referred to as Luther's seal or Luther's rose. And what I want you to specifically notice is what is right smack 
stab in the middle of it. A black heart. A black cross, rather. Jesus took upon himself the darkness of our heart when he went to the cross. Because all the darkness of our heart, all the darkness of your heart, all the darkness of my heart, all the darkness of our heart was on him when he went to the cross. He died our death. He overcame our darkness. And in doing that, Jesus literally changes our heart, which is why that black cross is on top of a red heart that symbolizes life. The red heart is a symbol of new life that you and I receive because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That red heart is God's heart beating for you because of the new heart that he has given to you. If you have a little bit of extra time this week, I want you to go home and and spend a few minutes with this biblical exercise. Sit in front of your computer and Google the sentence, what does the Bible say about the heart of man? What does the Bible say about the heart of man? And if you Google that sentence, there will be over a hundred Bible verses that will come up that will all point to the darkness of our human heart. However, among those list of verses will be sprinkled a few that talk about what happens when God changes our heart. Psalm 51 verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. It is because Jesus took upon himself the heart of our darkness that he creates in you a new heart, a cleansed heart, a forgiven heart. Proverbs 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. The only way that you and I can trust in the Lord with our heart is because Jesus has first taken upon himself the heart of our darkness and given to us a new heart that beats for him. Psalm 119 verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The only reason that you and I are able to store up in our heart God's word is because Jesus has first taken upon himself on the darkness of that cross, the darkness of our heart, and he gave you a new heart, a new heart of faith that beats for him. On the darkness of that cross, the sin of our heart was given to Jesus. And in exchange, God gives to you and to me a new heart, a cleansed heart, a heart that then now beats for him because of the love that he has shown to us. Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday. Heart, darkness. Kind of an unusual combination, actually. The reason we wear these ashes is because they are indeed a sign 
of the darkness of our human, natural, sinful condition. But the reason these ashes are in the shape of a cross is because Jesus took upon that dark cross our sin and exchanged it to give us new life, a new beginning, a new heart. I don't know about other pastors, but that's why when I do the imposition of ashes, what I like to say is, the ashes are a sign of your, forget, of your sin. The cross is a sign of God's forgiveness for you in Jesus. Because of that cross, you have a brand new heart. Over these next six weeks of Lent, I just want to invite you to kind of walk this journey and let us recognize, let us recognize some of the darkness that we do experience in our life because once we recognize the darkness, the light is all the greater. I honestly don't think we can fully appreciate the light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in our life if we first don't recognize the darkness of our sin for which he died. So with that in mind, happy Ash Wednesday. In Jesus' name, amen.